Hi, I'm Alyssa Williamson. Welcome to the Firefly Movement Podcast. We're here to talk about mental health and how you can get in touch with and start using your unique gifts. We're also a bunch of Enneagram nerds, so that comes in a lot. Although I'm a licensed professional counselor, I trust that you know that this is not a substitute for therapy or medical treatment. This is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Also, we are all adults here, and occasionally we do use some adult language, so just keep that in mind in case there are little ears around you, as there often are around me. You can nominate Fireflies who are making a difference and bringing light into the dark on our website at fireflymovement.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at Firefly Movement or follow my work at Alyssa Williamson Counseling or AlyssaWilliamsonCounseling.com. Hi, everyone. It's Alyssa. I am so excited to introduce the guests that we have on the podcast today. We have Jula Prevalon. Jula is a licensed professional counselor in the area, and we met at a local supervision group a couple of years ago. But part of what makes her so interesting is that she's also a local pastor at her Evangelical Covenant Church in Carrollton, and she's also the founder of Elevate Her International. Elevate Her works to do trauma recovery work and empower women around the world and help them to make changes in their community. When I met her, she was such an inspiration to me that I knew immediately that I needed to get to know this woman. And I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today and for you to be able to learn from her and for her to inspire you as well. So here we go. Okay, well, Jula, thank you so much for being here and coming on the Firefly podcast. We're really, really glad you're here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm so excited. I know. I'm so glad you're here. No, I was um, I was remembering as I was driving over here how I met you, and it was at your the practice that you're at now is Watershed Initiative. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, our practices were considering merging, mm-hmm. and so we were doing all this group work together as a team so we went around and introduced ourselves and you went through kind of the list of things that you're doing and (laughs) that you you have a nonprofit that empowers women and works to help women overcome trauma right right? Mm -hmm. which is elevate her right right that you're a counselor. Yes. Um, that you're on the board of another nonprofit. Right. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then that you're a female pastor. I am. <laughs> and that you're an and that you're an immigrant from Haiti. Yes. As well. Yeah. And I was Yep. Yep. Just fangirled you so hard and was like, I need to hang out with you. <laughs> That's weird. Um, because that was just so amazing to me. And then yeah. I was like, okay, the next time I see her, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be really, really cool. So the next time I see That's you, we have, <laughs> we have group supervision again where we're going around just talking about what's going on in our lives. And I sit there and talk to you about <laughs> what it means to me that you're a female and like woman in ministry and a pastor. And I start crying because oh. <laughs> it's... Because it just was something that, honestly, I just hadn't... It's like, I know about people right. that do that. But it's one of those things where you just don't meet yeah. people yeah. that actually do that that often. Yeah. Um, and for me, I mean, I trained for ministry originally. When I went to undergrad, I went to Bible college and studied Greek and Hebrew and thought I was going to go into missions because that was kind of the only option. option. That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. Um, and I have this really specific memory of before kind of going that route of looking at, um, it was a church planning internship and I wasn't Mm -hmm. looking at, because honestly I didn't have a concept of having a 
like a female pastor, right, honestly. Right. Um, Many but of us don't. <laughs> yeah, just being on a ministry team to do church planning because I was really interested in that. And I remember putting all this time into this application and then getting to the end of it and putting together that this organization would never consider right. bringing a female mm. on and training them. And like how crushed I was yeah. at that. And so it just meant so much to me to even meet you. Yeah. So thank, yeah. you for, thank you for what you're doing because just you're existing, yeah. I think, ministers to women. And you minister to so many people on so many different levels. Because how many, I mean, truly, how many women right. do you know who are immigrants, who yeah. are, you know, a minority? Yeah. Um, yeah. Who are female, who are in ministry. Like, Not very many. <laughs> yeah. Not very yeah. many. Yeah. So, I mean, you've really been a trailblazer. Yeah. With that. By accident. By accident. <laughs> I call yeah. it an accident, right? Yeah. Because um, I never dreamt of it. Yeah. But like you, you just said, I never knew to dream for that. Yeah. You know, as um, children growing up, you will get a, a model or an image of something you want to be. Yeah. And so you dream of it and you tell your teachers, when I grow up, I want to be X, Y, Z. Um, I never dreamt of this. I never knew to dream, dream about it. And so yeah, I just kind of, I just like school. Mm-hmm. I like books. Books were my, my way of surviving you know, a difficult um, childhood. Mm. Um, moving from Haiti to America, um, it was so traumatic. I, yeah. That is probably by far the most traumatic, one of the most traumatic things that's happened to me. Wow. Um, I mean, isolated, new country, new language, new climate, no friends. Parents couldn't understand what you were going through. Siblings yeah. couldn't understand what so, you were going through. Because yeah. they were all going through their own stuff, right? We're, we're all traumatized, but nobody's talking about the trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, fifth grade, I remembered... Um, no, sixth grade, my... One of oh, it's such a tough time to do... How oh, yeah. old were you when you moved? I was 12. So, and oh, they held so me tough. back. They held me back one year so I can learn English. And I remembered my sixth grade teacher, Miss Nicolescu, gave us a little, um, those yellow journals that after um, recess, we were supposed to write in those journals. She saved my life. Mm. You know, she gave me an outlet to express, um, you know, what I was going through. Um, And I fell in love with books and I just kept reading all these trashy novels. (laughs) (laughs) But Those trashy novels saved your life. They saved my life. That's so funny. They saved my life. And and so I knew I was, I I, uh, I loved to read. I was smart. I I loved education. That's Mm -hmm. all I knew. Yeah. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know if I were to dream about becoming anything. You know, in the Haitian culture, there are a few professions that you're allowed to dream about. Either yeah. a doctor, engineer, or um, or a, a lawyer, mm. and an uh, attorney. Um, but outside of that, there's what other dreams yeah. do you have? So I went to college thinking I wanted to be a pediatrician, but I sucked <laughs> at, <laughs> at all 
of the sub, the the classes, yeah. I could not make it, and I knew it wasn't for me. So I then majored in psychology and sociology. Mm-hmm. And I remember how did your family respond? Oh to my that? goodness, they they had no clue. I was in college by myself. I mean, like That's even a- even for me, like having a bachelor's in you know psychology or counseling, like the the follow up question for everyone is so what are you going to exactly. do with that? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, my parents just dropped me off to college and left. Okay. And they had no clue what was going on. So you on. were and you so figured out on your own. I had to figure it out on my own. But I think uh um one of my sociology professors, she was a woman and she was the first woman that I saw um on stage communicating in such a way that I knew I wanted to do, um to, mm. to be a communicator of some sort. Yeah. So she got on stage and um had a big cigar and lit it up in front of the classroom. I was like, oh, who's this woman? I want to be this woman. And she was teaching something about abnormal psychology or sociology. I don't yeah. know. Or deviant behavior or something yeah. like that. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I still remembered and I wow. said, I want to communicate like this woman here. And one thing led to another. I mean, it was, it all feel... Um, accidental where I am today, but I don't mm-hmm. think God um, accidentally um, have me in this position here. I think he was very intentional and purposeful mm. even when I had no clue. Yeah, And that's how I know that um, God is for women. God is elevating women. God is calling women because you yeah. will see women um, pastoring and doing all these amazing things who are from like the middle of nowhere, who have never seen women preaching, who have never seen an example um, in front of them to do it. That's when I know that God is for this. God wants this because I'm from the middle of nowhere in Haiti. I had never, ever seen a woman preach in Haiti. Yeah. Or even in America. It wasn't taught to you. Never. It like came out of you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I was never exposed to it. Even after I graduated seminary, because I went to mm-hmm. seminary for counseling, because that, yeah. again, was acceptable, as you were saying. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so I went for counseling, because I'm like, okay, I'll go to seminary, quote, unquote, for counseling, you know. I mean, you can you can do that, or you can go into missions, or you go to exactly. marry a pastor. That's exactly. why. <laughs> exactly. And I know I did yeah. not want to be do yeah. women's ministry or um like be a women's pastor or mm. anything like that. Yeah. I know I wasn't called for that. For some reason, I just knew. Um, I remember teaching um in children's ministry, and I remember teaching really well. Mm-hmm. Like I just had fun teaching these children Mm -hmm. and so I knew I didn't want to be a children's pastor or anything like that I knew teaching was the thing that stuck with me yeah and so I I just know God is for women because of what how he's um brought me into this place of being a woman's pastor because I never wanted it I never desired it I never cared to ask about it it wasn't until after seminary I met a woman that was preaching on stage again like college I felt like I had an outer body experience like oh my god she's preaching what is she doing this is happening this (laughs) is it this is what I was called to do I was scared to death 
Yeah. Because at this point, I had graduated seminary, and my husband was not going to help me pay for another degree. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, okay. It's not cheap. (laughs) It's not. How do I become this thing that this woman is doing on stage and not go back to school for it? Um, So this woman that was preaching on stage went to the same seminary I went to. Mm. And she developed a preaching course. And I took the preaching course. Wow. And she had every last one of us women preach our messages at the end of the preaching course. And she looked at me. She said, Jula, you are a preacher. And that's what you're going to do. Hmm. I was scared to death. Because, again, (laughs) I saw no way. I mean, there were no way that this was going to happen. I'm in Texas my desire was to go back home to New Jersey mm-hmm. to be with my family and my contacts in New Jersey. They do not allow women to preach or pastor or anything. Mm. So now what am I going to do? Nothing. I, I mean, I did not know what I was going to do. So, um, so I worked at, so I did a couple of mission trips, um, after the whole preaching thing. Um, and right after that one mission trip. I was hired by that same church to be missions pastor. Again, you know, I'm a pastor, but I'm not preaching. I'm not doing anything like that. But it was great exposure again um, to to just see the world, to see what God was doing around the world. And I was shocked that God would call me to pastor a church of 5,000. Again, I'm coming from Haiti in a small little village. Here I am, a a pastor of missions in this church. Um, after a few years, I left that church. Um, but again, you know, I felt God was calling me to pastor. So, Mm -hmm. um, I remembered leaving the church and, um, wondering, God, what are you going to do in my life? And he said, well, I have stuff for you to do. You might not get paid for it right now, but go and Mm -hmm. and be great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I landed in Dallas prison teaching a group of women wow um just life skills and you know how to be you know how to continue to press on and make good choices and things like that yeah i mean the some of the best times i've ever had with a group of women and so um for three years i did that i went back and forth into the jail um in dallas and and did that and Did you just start doing that on your own? Or on my there, own. Or, wow. Yeah, on my own. Well, there was an organization that was planted that was doing work, and I just wanted to yeah. help. And I said, hey, let me help. Um, and so I developed some curriculum, and I just went into the, the jail. So, wow, so you really piloted that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was after that that I founded Elevate Her. Mm. Um, I went to Kenya uh, that year. And did a trauma healing conference. Wow. And I knew I needed to do something in the area of trauma in women. So I mean, it's just um, so common. It oh, shocks yeah. me to this day when counselors say they don't do trauma. I know. And I'm like, how, considering how widespread trauma is. It is. It's in everything. You know, yeah, really <laughs> and truly. Like, I, I just don't know how you do healing work with people if you don't have at least some knowledge of how to navigate that right yeah exactly I mean trauma is everywhere everywhere I'd gone I went to India saw women um who were traumatized Mm -hmm. and 
um, just needed healing. Went to Kenya, went to Congo, went to Brazil, um, Haiti. I mean, trauma, right after the earthquake in Haiti, we went to do a trauma conference. And we're thinking we're going to help them heal from the trauma of the natural disaster. But these women were talking about other forms of trauma that mm. took um, place in their lives. You know, abuse, domestic violence, and all sorts yeah. of things. And I knew that part of my life's work had to deal with women yeah. healing from trauma. Yeah. And that's what it's been for the past um, close to 10 years now. Wow. Yeah. That's so powerful. And for yeah. women, so much of the trauma they experience happens at home. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. I, it's just really, really interesting as far as um, there's um, one of the texts that I I read when I was training mm-hmm. in trauma. It was Trauma and Recovery. Mm-hmm. And there's it was, it's a pretty old book at this point. Like, it's not yeah. one of the newer things out there, but just laying out that we kind of have this dichotomy that, like, men go out of the home mm-hmm. to be traumatized. And that's not always true. Obviously, like, there are right. plenty of, like, male abuse survivors right. and even domestic right. violence survivors and sexual abuse. Like, right. but um, how widespread trauma is for girls and women to be at the hands of, like, intimate partners right. or immediate family members is just shocking. Yeah. yeah. It's... in. And in developing countries, you know, in America, we're beginning at least in mm-hmm. the past 40 years. I won't say yeah. even say 50 years. In the yeah. past 40 years, um, you know, there are resources, institutions, and um, different groups that are um, advocating and responding yeah. to trauma that takes place in the home or even in domestic violence or sexual abuse and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. In, in developing countries like Haiti, yeah. Um, and Congo, where um, they have not, they have no resources, and there aren't, um, you know, institutions that are responding or that are um, there. The law is not reaching the home or um, different yeah. communities where they are prosecuting or anything like that. So when we go and do trauma conferences, and we know this to be the case, it's probably. Um, one of the spaces I feel the most hopeless, knowing that Mm. we're teaching about trauma, we're teaching about how to heal from trauma, but there aren't systems in place to not only help them continue their healing process, um, but there's no systems in place to prevent the trauma or to... um, to make sure that the trauma does not continue into the next generation. It's just pervasive. Yeah. It continues it's so to chronic. happen. Mm-hmm. Um, over and over again. So it's probably one of the most hopeless I've ever felt is when I've gone to do trauma conference and um, and we're not sure what will happen with that community because there aren't systems in place, which is one of the reasons we do a lot of... Um, um, leadership training, um, women who are in the churches, women who are teachers, women who have some type of um, leadership position in their community, because we know that these women will continue to 
um, gathered together or gather other women um, in their context to mm. continue to do trauma um, healing work with their community. And the other thing, too, is we focus on women strategically because women... When you you do trauma healing work with women, it doesn't stay with just that one woman. Yes. Um, they take it to their children. Yeah. Um, even their spouses sometimes um, will have the information packet that we give them. They'll take. They'll ask for an extra one for their spouse. Yeah. They'll ask for an extra one for their neighbor. So women, when you teach women, it doesn't just stay with women. And all over the world, we've seen this to be the case. Yeah. You know, whereas. Um, Men, not to say that men have um, uh, uh, can't share the information, but women have more touching points in the community than men do. Mm-hmm. You know, in many communities, like outside of the mm-hmm. U.S., um, women are fetching for water. They are cooking. They get gathered together with their yeah, friends. Yeah, they share information. Um, they're sharing information. Yeah. So they have, and for us strategically, we want them to share the information about trauma healing. Yeah. Even here in the U.S., you know, um, when we do work as therapists and a woman finds healing, they are going to share with other women and say, hey, you know, yeah. this worked for me. Um, go and see this person. And, and women here in the U.S., we gather together all the time. You yeah. know, we share information. We're talking Men, not so, not as yeah. much. You yeah. Know? Um, men can be a little bit more isolating when it comes mm-hmm. to um, emotional issues than women. Mm-hmm. So, um, so strategically, uh, we want we wanted to to give the information to the group that we know yeah. um, will take the information and disseminate it and and share it with others. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's been good. That's amazing. So yeah. what is Elevate Her doing now? So right now, um, so in 2020, some of the projects that we're working on um, include uh, a racial trauma healing group here in the Dallas area. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be teaching some um, education about uh, racial healing and, and, and doing some education around yeah. that. Um, we're looking at a retreat as well for black women mm-hmm. um, who have dealt with um, racial trauma. Yeah. Um, in January, we're going to Uganda to do some work with the South Sudanese refugees. Um, I'm partnering with um, an organization called Alarm, um, African Leadership and Reconciliation Mm -hmm. Ministry. So we're going at the end of January to do some work um, with the South Sudanese refugees. Um, There are some other things um, um, that we're working on in July. We'll be in Haiti for sure. Um, So there are some other trips we're working on, but nothing. um, Those three are some things that we're doing for sure. But still focusing on women, still doing trauma work, Mm -hmm. um, still trying to expand and um, seeing how we can get the the message of of healing, trauma healing um, to the hands of women. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. Thanks. Yeah. Wow. So um, one of the questions that we ask people is we talk a little bit about the Enneagram and mm-hmm. that just because that gives people a little bit of a framework too because what we're looking at is people who are making a difference and then how they got in touch with how they are wired and how they are gifted which we right. just we just talked about um and how they developed that how the lord developed that in you 
how you're making a difference. Right. Um, yeah. So you're a seven on the Enneagram, I right? I am a seven. Okay. <laughs> so with, with a, an eight wing. <laughs> with an eight wing. I can see that eight wing for sure. What, um, how did you know that you were seven? Like what resonated with you about that? Um, so about seven years ago when I was going through um, the process of ordination, one of the things um, classes our denomination has us do is um, like a vocational health class. Mm. And part of that class, we had to take the Enneagram exam to Wow, that was out. way... I had never heard of the Enneagram yeah. until three years ago, really mm-hmm. and truly. And now it's everywhere. It's but everywhere. But never heard of it. And so yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. 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 About four well, years ago, they had yeah. us take it. And even after I took it and read the results, I'm like, meh, yeah. And okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sounds nice. <laughs> you know, check. I did uh-huh. my class. Check. It wasn't until a couple years ago um, I think possibly you know, meeting Lynn and Jerry as they were talking more and more about mm-hmm. the Enneagram. Um, and I started studying a little bit more and trying to understand myself and understand my type and mm-hmm. what all that um, means to me. So I, I am a seven and I've taken the the, the assessment twice and I'm like, no way. There's no you know, way. Let's what was sure. it about? What was it about that, that you were like, no? You know, it, it, I felt like as a seven, if it felt like I was very flaky and flighty, you uh-huh. know, and to me, I'm like, I, I think I'm more, um, I'm more together than the, yeah. the seven, yeah. than the description of the seven. I, I, I felt like I had, um, more stamina, uh-huh. you know, it felt like this the sevens, you know, just, um, we're like the bu- butterflies, you know, who just bounces, bounce from one, um, place to another and to another. And that it's hard to have consistency in our mm-hmm. lives. And so for me, I, I, um, I did not want to accept that. <laughs> you yeah. Know, that, that was well, part of my personality. Did you, were there things in the set? Cause just taking the test, a lot of times the test, isn't it correct? Were there things when you read that you're like, Oh no, that that is how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. What was that? But there were things, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Um, that um, confirmed that. Yeah, that that is definitely me. Like the part where you know we're joyful and enthusiastic. Yeah, and, um, we're the cheerleaders of teams and mm-hmm. um, brainstorming. We have lots of ideas and yeah. all of that. I'm like, yeah, that's totally totally me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but there were some parts I'm like, oh no, <laughs> you know. But yeah. there were some other parts. And I knew that, you know, this was me. And I investigated to see, um, you know, w- w- what about these things that um, were unique to me? Yeah. Um, and, and, and it took me a couple of years to understand, you know, parts of, part of being a seven or any type um, these are the maladaptive ways that we've learned to cope with mm-hmm. our situations growing up, or, yeah. you know, and so I had to, to understand that, th- yes, this is the type, but there are pathways to grow, mm-hmm. you know, to take these things about yeah. you and grow. So what does growth look like for me? So yeah. the past couple of years have been me asking myself the question, what, what does what what does it look like for me to grow in these areas? You know, mm-hmm. for me to 
um, to persevere. Persevere has been the word for me as a seven. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> uh, to see things through. So um, that's been my thing for the past couple of years. Because you're so full of new ideas. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what does it mean to persevere? What does it mean to follow something through? What does it mean to not give up because it's no longer fun or it no longer invigorates me? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to um, sit with tension and pain um, and not try to escape it by creating a diversion of fun or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So for the past couple of years, um, it has been that. And um, a part of it has been... Um, I've been afraid for the past couple of years um, to make decisions on a whim, right? And Mm -hmm. so um, I've asked many friends to just walk with me um, on the journey of becoming um, more who I am designed to be and not the one that's running from... Um, something that's uh, not pleasurable. So what does it look Mm. like to have a group of friends to check in with and say, hey, I'm sensing X, Y, Z. And I'm sensing to, like, for example, leaving uh, a position. Yeah. Um, You know, um, I've been at my current role at my church for um, five and a half years. I've been at the church for seven years. But I started sensing that, um, God was transitioning me into a different season. Yeah. So, um, again, here I am as a seven. You know, the first question that I had, knowing that I have this backdrop of, you know, um, wanting to to leave when things are not pleasurable, when things are no longer fun. Yeah. Um, so, knowing that about myself... And knowing that God is calling me to transition out of the church, I I freaked for a second. I'm like, is it me being a seven again? Is it me (laughs) wanting to check out? Is it me, you know, not wanting to persevere through hardships and challenges? And so I met with my husband, Mm -hmm. who's a two, (laughs) and he's a creature of habit. (laughs) He's just content, you know. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, and so um, checking with him are his relationships there. Oh yeah. Oh, so that that would be hard. Yeah. Well, yes and no. Okay. Um, he's had some relationships, but you know, he's he's not one to have strong opinions about things mm-hmm. um and so when my husband has a strong um opinion of something then I have to pay attention and listen because I have lots of opinions and yeah. lots of thoughts my husband just so interesting too because I just just listening to I don't know if you've looked into subtypes mm-hmm. um on the Enneagram at all but like I didn't understand for a long time being a two that I'm like I'm full of opinions Mm -hmm. and I don't I don't feel like I look like other twos and it Mm. wasn't until I took a really good look at subtypes and there's wings and things like that too um but it wasn't until I took a look at that I was like oh that's why I look different than some of the other twos I know whereas you for as a seven right you might look different from some of the other sevens and not be the flaky you know because you might have a subtype like you might I don't know what you are, but you might be a social seven where you're more focused on, you know, larger society right. and, um, 
just having been through a lot and also just being really mature. Exactly. Where they say exactly. knowing your type, they say think about when you were 20. And when mm-hmm. I think back to when I was 20, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, raging too. Right. You know, like right. <laughs> really obnoxious, mm-hmm. poor boundaries. No. Right. Like, you know, and I, I can see that where, um, you know, so it's just really interesting hearing like what your seven looks like yeah. and what how what your husband's two looks like, where that yeah. can be really different for different people. Exactly. But you're, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, so no, you were no. saying That's that insight. you when he has a strong opinion on something, you know to pay attention. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we balance each other out really well because he um he internalizes his fears. Hmm. Um, and mine are externalized, you know, ah! you know he, he knows it. And, um, and I challenge him to take steps into different areas that he would never, he would have never gone to Haiti. Cause he's like, I hate bugs. And I like, <laughs> I hate the summer. Um, I hate when it's too hot and I'm very content in air conditioned. And for me, I'm like, don't you want to just experience the world? Don't you just want to see yeah. what God is doing outside yeah. of the world? So for, for my sevenness, it helps him um, to get out outside of the comfort of his home and do different things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he speaks, I pay attention. So with this decision that I had to make... Um, he he um, affirmed that it was time. Hmm. Um, and many others uh, um, said the same thing and shared the same thing. Um, and they helped me gain the confirmation that I needed um, and the confidence in making that decision and knowing that it wasn't just me checking out and finding the exit yeah. <laughs> you know, door. Because I'm good at, at saying I'm done. I'm, I'm walking. Well, and sometimes persevering might mean making a difficult transition oh yeah yeah oh yeah and that's what it's been for me so I like the word you use mature what does uh, immaturity yeah you know how um does maturity help with us becoming who we were designed to be in our types Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's what's happening with me as a seven yeah um is to um is to look at not only look at the maladaptive ways of me being a seven, but also what does maturity, what does health look like for me mm-hmm. um, as a seven? And I think over the past couple of years, I've had to really sit down and look at my focus as a seven. Well, who has God designed me to be? Um, what are what is that purpose that He has created me with? What is the overarching theme of my life? that continues to play out over and over and over again and what are the opportunities for me to live that out within Mm. that uh, context and I think those questions help me um stay focused Mm -hmm. in my purpose rather than going to find a new purpose and a new focus and jumping from this and that that has really um those questions have really helped me in the past couple of years to um to really name these um my overarching purpose statement for for, yeah so to speak you know who are you what has god created you to be um in this season of your life and um has that theme been in your life for however long and Mm -hmm. the theme of uh, just empowering and and encouraging and helping people find their purpose has always been a part of my messages whether I preach on a Sunday mornings or I'm counseling or I'm coaching 
Um, I'm doing work with Elevate Her. Mm-hmm. That theme is one that, that I see all throughout um, the different yeah. roles that God has given me. So, Absolutely. So that's been something that's helped me not jump from one um, situation or one opportunity to another. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm sure that you've had to persevere with, I, I mean, I was just listening to some of the stuff that you had in your Instagram this morning talking about like if you feel that you're called into ministry as a woman that you really need to kind of gird your loins like oh, get yeah. ready because because oh, yeah. criticism is coming your way oh, yeah. and and I think any kind of public figure but especially if you're a woman in ministry and then you talk about being like a black woman in ministry and oh yeah you know yeah. so um so, I mean, as a seven, like, it's just amazing to me as a seven, first of all, for you to be involved in trauma work. I think that that, for some sevens, yeah. is really difficult because it's being held down in pain, which is the thing that sevens are most afraid of in exactly. some ways. Um, and you're having to kind of sit in other people's pain right. during that. Um, but then you've also had to launch yourself into areas where you're going to experience more pain. Right. You know? Yeah. So, what, I mean, what's helped you? to do that um that's a good question I I don't know I think one of the things that um that's helped me continue to take steps into that calling of doing trauma work and um being in the church because the church carries a lot of pain a lot of trauma yeah um we play out all of our issues there (laughs) I joke that we play out all of our daddy issues at church right because like we're dealing with this father figure <laughs> and like we come in yes. and we're like Here and we just we just man we it's not yeah the church it's not a clean it all. it's a messy place it's yeah. such a messy place yeah. to see it all and those are the areas God has have um has called me but I think the um the one theme that I see constantly that allows me to step into this work is that um having a heart of compassion Hmm. Um, my heart really breaks when I see people um, in pain and I can I can sit with them I've had to learn yeah. to be present with people's pain um, I've had to learn how to create boundaries of how to be present with their pain while mm-hmm. not taking it for mm-hmm. as my pain yeah you know but really create that space for people to um, to share something, to process, to, yeah. um, to just say it without feeling like, oh, you just said a dirty word, mm-hmm. you know, to really um, step into their uh, space and, and, and create presence, uh, a presence of compassion, really. Yeah. Um, and people can sense that. They can feel that. And so that's helped because I know it's my purpose. You yeah. Know? Showing compassion um, is part of my purpose. Um Another thing that's helped me is I I love physical activities like boot camp. I, yeah, that's the that's the, the part of my seven I think that I love so much that allows yeah. me to do the work is that I I love being active and so I mm-hmm. I do boot camp classes uh, yeah. like four or five times a week. Yeah, um, and I get to be with people, and uh-huh. you know, it's it's a class where we get to trash talk with another uh-huh. and, and yeah uh, and just have a good time just doing something physical and just being with people at the same time yeah um i have such a great community around me 
yeah. um, of friends, of people who um, allow me to take my hat of pastor and counselor off and mm-hmm. I can just be in their presence and just say whatever yes. and use um, bad words. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, and they accept I put me. I put a disclaimer in front of, in front of these podcast episodes that yes. say that we are adults. Exactly, we may use adult language. Oh, thank you, thank you. Just be aware if there are small ears exactly. around, just because we're a bunch of Christian exactly. ministry, yes, counselor, pastor I'm people. <laughs> you you need that space of just being yourself, where you can use language. And and for people to yeah. know that, a you still love Jesus, and you're not a bad well, person. And that language is cultural too. <laughs> exactly. I think that's the thing. Like if you spend any time in other cultures, or even if you go, like for instance, if you go to Britain, the words that are considered really bad there are different right. than the ones they are here because right. it's cultural. You exactly. know, so exactly. Yeah. So um, so having being grounded and having a, a good um, community of people who just allow you to be, I allows me to do this work. You know, when I show up and when they show up, mm-hmm. um, I can just be myself. And on Monday morning, I can go back and do work of trauma and, um, and I, I can fully be present and be, um, compassionate and show compassion yeah. for the people that I serve. So, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's good. I love that. So who's, we've also asked who a firefly is in your life and a firefly is someone who's kind of lit the way or inspired mm-hmm. you or mm-hmm. it can even be someone that's just, you know, bringing light into your world right now. Yeah. But yeah. Who's, who's someone that has Ooh. been a firefly for you? You know, my family, we have the greatest time and they are, they inspire me. I have mm. five sisters, one brother. Oh wow! When we get together, That's we're like be so fun. Oh my goodness! It's like a comedy show. Yeah, we're all talking bad about each other and <laughs> poking fun of each other and yeah. just reminiscing on you know um, old times and things like that. They are so much fun. Yeah, and we have fifteen grandchildren in the oh, family, my including my children. And when they get together, and they range from like. 28 to 12 or something yeah. like that mm-hmm. and they're dancing they're playing they're playing games yeah. I mean we just have a good time they love me so much and they're so proud of me and they I'm encourage sure they me are. so much um, but without them I am not me and so because of them I am who I am um, my husband he is such an encourager of women. Um, mm. He does not get into, you know, power um, struggles with me or, you know, I am the man and you are the wife. He's so easygoing and laid yeah. back. He washes clothes, does dishes, cooks. When I'm preaching, he just yeah. takes it on. I mean, as it should, because we're yeah. a partnership. That's what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. How many women, you know, who've been pastors' wives who yeah. do the same thing for their That's husbands, just, like, you know? such a mark, though, of, like, him being healthy. Because yeah. men are handed, like, I think men are kind of sold this bill of goods. Right. And we, we give it to them, too. It's, you know, it's a whole systemic issue oh, yeah. of us 
telling men that like in order for you to be a man you have to be in control of other people exactly be in control of your emotions exactly and they're given this very narrow window of what it is for them to be a full human being exactly and then you know and that's why so many men feel threatened by women's gifts you know and so you know i don't i don't know how you could um be in a marriage where you are so gifted and called to do so many things if he was also not gifted with the ability to see his full personhood right right now exactly yeah exactly and he's always been that for me yeah um, to encourage me to um spur me on to see things in me that i can't see of myself or that i couldn't see of myself yeah um to encourage me in ways that um just make me feel like i can do it so he's been um a firefly in my life and our boys Hmm. so full disclaimer i mean my youtube channel is because of the twins really so we had this competition in the house they're like mom we're gonna do a youtube channel you should do one too um and they love hearing me preach yeah they always have feed good feedback and so on and so forth and i'm Mm -hmm. like yeah i'll do it Uh uh-huh and so um and they're in college right they're in college what are are their names um justin and devin and my oldest is ray okay um but the twins were the one the catalyst for this youtube channel they even bought me the the ring light from amazon so i can do my youtube channel (laughs) they are just amazing children all three of them um they care about me so much you know, when they call me and they're like, Mom, you're a pastor. Pray for me because I need help. <laughs> Mom, you're a pastor. Why do I need to go to church? <laughs> but that speaks so much to the parent that you are mm-hmm. that they, first of all, feel comfortable bringing those issues to you. Right. Because right? they yeah. know they're going to receive yeah. support. Yeah. Um, and... You know, I just think it's so powerful for kids and especially boys to see their moms um, embodying everything that they're called to be. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And so that that speaks also to how you raise them. Yeah. I'm so grateful. Yeah. I'm so grateful that they get to see this um, example Mm -hmm. um, between my husband and I and what it looks like to be to fully embody what God um, has designed us to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having this me. This has been so fun. Yeah. I could talk to you all day. I know, me too. I know. We might have to We might have to do like round two. Yeah, let's do part two. We will. We will. I mean... <laughs> Tell you yeah, what, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to beat. So thank you so much yeah, for for taking time to do this with all the different things that you've got going on. And um, where can we tell people to find you? So they the place they can find me is my website julaprevalon um, dot com, and they'll find mm-hmm. everything they need to know about me there. So and I'm on Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, just look me up, and you you can start engaging with me through those mediums. Awesome. That's so great. All right. Well, thank you. Yay. Okay.
Well, you can tell from this episode that I really, really enjoyed spending time with Jula and just spending time talking to her about all the amazing work that they're doing. We're definitely going to have to have her on again in the future. In the meantime, I really hope that this was an inspiration to you to get in touch with your unique gifts and to start making a difference in the world around you. And until our next episode, please like, subscribe, and leave us a review on iTunes so more people can find us. See you next time.